do you read, Sutter Kane? Welcome to our second episode this week of Exploited, the show where we talk about exploitation and cult films. I'm Alexis Jowski. I like the Carpenters, goddammit. Well, yeah, John specifically. <laughs> There's a line in the movie. Anyway, I'm Kevin Daly. And uh, this week we're talking about In the Mouth of Madness, 1994, directed by John Carpenter. because the stores could not meet the demands of Sutter Kane's novel, In the Mouth of Madness. Kane disappeared two months ago without a trace. Isn't the guy that writes horror books? You can forget about Stephen King. Kane outsells them all. I need to know if he's alive or dead, and I need that book. It's a setup. It's a setup. I just have to work out how it's set up. Kane's writing has been known to have an effect on his readers. This is a map. This whole thing has been staged. You just get out. This is not reality. It's all happening for real, Trent. the john carpenter film i think we've done him more than any director at this point he just makes good movies like and we've got some more coming up too last i checked yeah we got um, one more this year too yeah it's a carpenter's john carpenter sort of year and i'm i'm for it yeah he's still alive he's making music he ain't making movies as much but he's making movies the music i was uh, escape from th- something the third one when john i mean kurt's still kicking he's great and Fucking Guardians too. He can he can still do it. So yeah. So um, in the mouth of madness, it is a tribute to the works of H.P. Lovecraft, and its title is derived from the Lovecraft novella at the Mountains of Madness. We cool book. We do have a Lovecraft themed week coming up early next year. Yep. Which I'm looking forward to. Lovecraft's a difficult one to do movies for. There's not a lot, and the ones that are, they're kind of hit and miss. The uh, silent film Call of Cthulhu that they made, I think the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society made, is awesome. It is. And that's like so kind of the only way you could do that. And that, that's the thing, because the way Lovecraft writes is, like, it's often told through letters. There's, I can't remember what the, what, what the 
the style of writing this, but it's told through letters and you know oh, historical a, a, pieces. A, a, like, epistolatory. Yeah, that's how that's that's how uh, Lovecraft's writings are usually told. So that tends to make a very difficult movie. And a lot of times they're written like as a confession. They're like, yeah, I have an unreliable thing. narrator usually. Yeah, yeah. So this movie gives us our boy Sam Neill as John Trent. Yeah. I love this character. Oh yeah, he's awesome. We get Julia Carmen as Linda Stiles. She's been in some good movies. She's done two John Cassavetes movies. She was in Robert Redford's Milagro Beanfield War. She was in Fright Night Two. Yeah, I haven't. I didn't see anything on the list that I'd seen, but um, I liked her in this movie. She has a BS in theater and then a master's in clinical psychology. Seems like a good fit for this movie. Yeah, she is a licensed marriage family therapist and a yoga instructor who also continues to act in film and television. Well, she keeps busy. Yeah, we have Jurgen Proshnow as Sutter Kane. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff, but nothing I've really watched. Oh, yeah, so he's been in one thing you've watched. Oh, yeah, wasn't he? He plays Duke Leto Atreides in Lynch's Doom. In Lynch's Doom, that's right, yes. Yeah, Um, he also dubbed Stallone for the German releases of Rocky and Rocky II. That's awesome. Yep. We have David Warner as Dr. Wren. Who's one of those character actors you'd see in the 80s and 90s and go, it's that guy. Yeah, he's also the voice of uh, John Irenicus in Baldur's Gate 2 for you uh, game nerds out there. And he's the voice of Ra's al Ghul in the Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> yeah, I heard his voice. I'm like, god damn, that's voice very familiar. And I was like, and I'm like, oh, he's Irenicus. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But yes, I placed it now. My favorite role that he ever did was in the Star Trek episodes Chain of Command. Whole, yeah, you're a big Trekkie. Yep, the, there are four lights. Uh, we have John Glover has Sapperstein, who's the, the guy at the mental institution. He voiced yeah. Riddler in Batman the Animated Series. Nice. Um, he also has a role in Batman and Robin, which is something that we're actually doing at some point. Yeah, we do, we do need to do that. Um, that actor is, he's gay and married to his longtime partner, sculptor Adam Kurtzman. Well. He also claims that he slept with Freddie Mercury back in the 70s. Uh, hopefully he's uh, clean, because uh, poor yeah. Freddie. We have Bernie Casey as Robinson, the uh, insurance guy. Yep. Um, Bernie Casey was the ninth overall selection in the 1961 NFL draft pick and played eight seasons with the San Francisco 49ers and then two right. seasons with the LA Rams. Right on. After he... Finished football. He went into acting. Did a few black exploitation films that we'll probably do at some point. <laughs> yep, he did like three of the Revenge of the Nerds movies. Uh, we have Peter Jason as Mister Paul, like way later in the movie. But he's a uh, we've this guy that we've seen like so many times, but he's such a small character. Yeah, he's a Pepsi executive and mommy dearest. <laughs> he's a cop in Streets of Fire. Wow. He's a duty sergeant in Escape from L.A. So what you're telling me is he's maybe the most uh, prolific actor on our show. Just <laughs> yeah. Know it. We have Charlton Heston as Jackson Harglow. Yeah, we probably won't have too many Charlton Heston movies on this show. No. <laughs> just, just savor it while we can. Yeah, um, I'm not going to speak ill of the dead, but I did like his movies. Yeah. Yeah. Additionally, we've got Hayden Christensen making his film debut. Yeah, that blew my fucking mind. Yeah. So the movie's written by Michael DeLuca, 
who wrote a bunch of garbage. But not this movie. This movie's no. really good. But you wouldn't think that it's from the writer of Freddy's Dead, The Lawnmower Man, and Judge Dredd. Not the good Dredd, the one with Rob Schneider. <laughs> yeah, none of, none of those are particularly good. He's also done a lot of work as a producer. He did all three Fifty Shades movies. Oh, God. I, uh, I don't e- I'll put it this way. I, I don't even remember Freddy's Dead, and I like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. DeLuca also was a producer on this, and he initially offered the job of directing to Carpenter, but Carpenter passed on it. So then they went to Tony Randell, who did Hellraiser 2, then they went to Mary Lambert, who did Pet Cemetery, and then Carpenter finally stepped in and decided, okay, I'll do this. So before we get into the movie, you can find more of our episodes at exploititpodcast.com. That's our website on the internets. The, the interwebs. Yep. Follow us on Instagram at exploititpodcast or on Twitter. Hopefully, That's right. Hopefully Twitter will be owned by somebody else some someday and become a, a, a happy place once again. You're, you're implying that it was a happy place at any point, other than the very beginning when no one knew about it. I remember the beginning. I liked it, nice it the then. Beginning. It was nice in the beginning. Yeah, but we're there, at Podcast Exploit. But you can also join our Exploited Discord. Uh, the link is on our website. We do watch parties every week on Thursdays. And people just talk movies. Chat's pretty active. I, 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 I lurk. Yeah. But yeah, so, this movie... In the Mouth of Madness. It's from New Line. Shocking. Yep. We get some recognizably John Carpenter music, but it's hard. And it actually sounds a hell of a lot like Enter Sandman. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Yeah, because Carpenter wanted to use Enter Sandman. But the rights were too expensive, so he's like, Well, I'll just write my own knockoff Enter Sandman with a bit of that Carpenter spin. Yep. Which, I like the music. Yeah. <laughs> Carpenter killing on the score, as always. <laughs> I like it better than if it had actually been Enter Sandman. I mean, I like that song, but... I Well, when this movie came out, it hadn't been as overplayed as it is now. When you re- realize the Black Album came out, like, 33 years ago. Oh, good lord. 32 yeah. years ago, then it's like, okay, yeah, Enter Sandman's been played uh, a lot. Yeah. Still, that album was a banger. Yeah, every song... Sorry, sorry, uh, gatekeepy. Fucking neckbeardy metalheads. Black album, Black album was great. Yeah, <laughs> so, everything out after it, you can start debating load and, and and reload. Kind of, they have like one or two good songs on it, but like everything up till and including a black album is great. We get an industrial printing press. Um, we're we're, we're just thrown right into an episode of how it's made, <laughs> and it's it's printing out a book. We get credits saying that uh, special makeup effects by Robert Kurtzman, Greg Nicotero, and Howard, Howard Burgett. That is the great K&B crew, because we've Extra had them before. <laughs> For their era, the effects in this movie are excellent. Oh, yeah. So the book being printed is Hobbs and Horror by Sutter Kane. And then on the back, it promises coming soon in the Mouth of Madness. Hobbs and Horror, of course, a reference to the Lovecraft story, The Dunwich Horror. Oh, yeah. All of the titles of the Sutter Kane books are kind of nods to Lovecraft stories. And then we're at the, the fanciest mental institution in the world. It is swanky. It is. Saperstein is on the phone, and he's like, hello, admitting, where is he? And he's super friendly as they get their new violent patient in. 
John J. Trent, played by Sam Neill, who's screaming and kicking. He kicks some dude in the balls, and they throw him into this padded cell, and he's like, No, this is wrong! I'm sorry about the balls, by the way. It was a lucky shot. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a Bush League move. It's poor etiquette, unless you're actually about to die. Yeah. And then he's screaming, I'm not insane! And all the other patients are like, Yeah, me neither! And I guess he realizes, like, okay, yeah, this ain't working. And he just kind of sulks away. And then they play a carpenter or something, yeah. and he complains about it. Yeah, Saperstein, who's Nebish? And do you know how I feel about Nebish guys? I know you you love you some Nebish guys. Yeah. He turns up the music, and it's We've Only Just Begun by the Carpenters, which I didn't like that song. Like, Yeah, I, yeah that's not my favorite carpenter. But I, have you heard Karen play drums, like, when she was, like, 19? No, Karen Carpenter was a god tier fucking drummer. I gotta look that up then. Look, look up Karen Carpenter playing drums at like eighteen or nineteen years old. She, she, she fucking shreds. Like, yeah, well, this song doesn't shred. No, Karen Carpenter always makes me sad too because I, I stand by my statement. I think she was, she was killed and framed, and had her death framed as a suicide. Oh. Because she just happened to die on the day her divorce from her abusive husband papers are about to be signed. Please. That's pretty sus. I don't I don't believe in those kind of coincidences. But all the inmates are singing terribly out of tune this song, and then it slows down and stops. We get some spookiness, like a knock on the window, and then this shadowy figure in Trent's cell. And, yeah, uh, I, like, I like these scenes. Trent's like, this is a rotten way to end it. And he goes, this isn't the ending. You haven't read it yet. And we get this quick, like, epileptic horror montage of all the things that we will see in the course of this movie. Yep. Yeah, you know, it gives you a pretty good, it gives you a little bit of that Event Horizon kind of vibe. You know, obviously Event Horizon came later, but it's the same kind of thing. You see a bunch of horrific shit. Yeah, that we're going to see. <laughs> yep. And then uh, the awesome David Warner shows up as Dr. Wren, here to talk yep. with Saperstein about the new inmate. And he's like, this one fits the symptoms. I'm here to find out. Uh, Saperstein is, gives us our first mention of things must be pretty bad out there. Like, yep. something's going on out there. And they're like, well, did he make any requests? Yes, just one. A single black crayon. Which, when we go into the cell, he used the hell out of that crayon. He got good mileage out of that crayon. Yeah, there are crosses all over the room. All over his clothes, all over his face. Got, he used the wrong symbols, though. You gotta use the elder sign. Yeah. That's how you keep the old ones out. And so he's pretty chill. He's like, hey, Doc, what's up? He's like, I'm Dr. Ren. I'm gonna get you out of here. He's like, after all of my redecorating? No, no, I think I'm gonna stay. Yeah, he feels safer in here now. And then he gives him a smoke. He's like, you wanna hear about my them, right? You know, every paranoid schizophrenic has one. A them, a they, an it. You want to hear about my them? <laughs> yeah. And then another mention of things are turning to shit out there, aren't they? So now, so the curiosity is there. I'm in. I'm, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah I'm, more. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm completely in. So we learned that Trent was a freelance insurance investigator. Which is actually a profession. I didn't know that they had freelance insurance investigators, but... There are investigators that work in-house, and there are some that work independently. Yeah, and he's, like, the best at his job. And we get to see him at he work. He loves his job. Oh, he loves it. And his he job. is fucking good at it. 
Because they got this guy in there who's like, oh, I'm here to just get my insurance check. And it's like, yeah, before we give you the check, we got a few final questions. Because um, my boss thinks you burned down your own hat warehouse. Oh, no. He's like, yeah, so we got these photographs of your wife wearing all the articles of clothing you said were destroyed in the fire. And then it's like, oh, um, 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 I, but I also talked to your wife who had a lot to say about this other woman you were fucking who we also found wearing all the clothes that you said you lost in this fire. Which, it's great. And he's like, word of advice, if you want to pull a scam, don't make your wife your partner. And if you do, don't fuck around behind her back. Yeah, it's easy to just like, well, fuck it, I'm throwing him under the bus then. Yeah. So then Robbie and Trent, they're having a celebratory drink together. And we see a bus stop advertising the upcoming Sater K- Sutter Kane novel in the Mouth of Madness. Yep. And we're, we're just like, we're just talking up Trent's career in this scene. It's like, you're so good. You're the best insurance investigator in the world. Come work for me full time. And nobody's noting, noticing the fucking axe maniac across the street. Just walking out with an axe. People are running around screaming. Robbie's like, but while I got you here, I want you to look into this claim we have from Arcane Publishing House. Could cost me millions because they say Sutter Kane is missing. So, uh, I like this scene because he starts talking about it. It's like, ah, he, he was an amateur. He's just like, amateur, it's too easy. He like, I really like facing off against true professional. He loves the game. Oh, yeah. He, he, he loves, loves his job. This is, this is all about, this is all about the, the he's, he, he wants a Moriarty. He, he, he's Sherlock Holmes and he wants a Moriarty. He wants that, that rush of play, you know, solving a difficult case. Yeah. And a lot of people complain about, oh, insurance companies. The fact of the matter is, sometimes these dudes do, to commit insurance fraud. And you know what happens when people commit insurance fraud? Our insurance premiums go up. Yeah, because if they're having to pay out all of these claims, they got to make so, their money back. I mean, it's one thing to like try to, you know, insurance companies do like to squeeze as much as they can. But like in this case, the guy he got caught, that dude committed arson. <laughs> he could have hurt people. Yeah. So I don't have any issues with it. You can't, if his job is to catch actual fucking fraudsters, I don't have any issues with that. And so the uh, the axe maniac just smashes through the window, and he asks um, Trent, he's like, do you read Sutter Kane? And his eyes are all fucking screwy. There's like two different irises. Yeah. And then the cops shoot him dead. Yeah, they were ready for him, apparently. Trent, you're beautiful. Everybody says you got the best nose for a con in business. But to see it firsthand, I mean to watch you work, is incredible. When it wasn't hard, Robbie, the guy's wife liked me. Besides, he was an amateur. It's too easy with amateurs. So you try to figure out who's professional and who isn't. That's when it gets fun when you run into a pro. You know, most of my salesmen couldn't sniff out a phony claim if their noses were nailed to it. But you, man, you never miss. What's the miss? You learn to expect the worst in people and you get it. Everyone's looking to play an angle. I'm always there to clean up the mess. I tell you what. Stop freelancing. Join my staff. I'll make it worth your while, Trent. Forget it, Robbie. I'm an on man. Nobody pulls my strings. I'm independent. I'm happy. Well, be my man one more time. I'm having quite a difficult mess with Arcane. Publishing house? Yeah. It's my biggest account. They just filed a claim. It cost me millions. I want you on this right away. What's the claim? Sutter Kane's missing. Who? Sutter Kane. 
Sutter Kane. And we're going into the news report like horror writer Sutter Kane, harmless pop phenomena, or a deadly prophet of the printed page. It's interesting because uh, they're having a discussion about Arcane Publishing and Sutter Kane disappearing a second ago, and and Trent has no idea. He doesn't know who the fuck Sutter Kane is. Yeah, <laughs> and then the guy shows up. You know Sutter Kane? <laughs> and he's like. <laughs> I'm like, dude just heard about it 15 seconds ago. And then he's all over the news because apparently there are riots at bookstores because they could not meet the demand for advance orders of the of In the Mouth of Madness. And uh, the news reporter's yep. like, when does fiction become religion? Are his fans dangerous? And you know what this reminds me of? Remember when McDonald's what? brought back that Szechuan sauce because of <laughs> Rick and Morty? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to have it, Morty. You got to have that central sauce. But they released just a little bit, and people at McDonald's were going fucking crazy, just screaming well, about Szechuan sauce and fighting. And I mean, they ask, "When did religion? When does re- fiction become religion?" I'm like, "Well, there's the Bible, yeah. there's Scientology. That, I mean, <laughs> pretty much every every religion." So Trent's like, okay, I'm going to investigate this. And he's at Arcane Publishing. And they, they got big giant posters of all the Sutter Kane novels because he's their top, top dude. Probably the only one making him any money. Yep. And we meet Mr. Jackson Harglow, played by Charlton Heston, who is an asshole. Yeah. Good. He's good in this role. He doesn't, he doesn't play down to the movie being a, a genre film. Yeah. Heston's in there. Heston's in there doing, doing work. But, um. Jackson Harglow, he's like, this is like our famous as Arcane Publishing, everyone knows. And Trent's like, no, no, you're insured by the company I work for. I never fucking heard of you. Yeah. He's like, oh, you read books. He's like, yeah, I read real books. It's <laughs> horror crap. And that's when also when we meet Linda Stiles, who's like the editor for that works exclusively on Sutter Kane. And because... He's like Sutter Kane's the guy that writes that horror crap, and she's like, maybe he's too sophisticated for you. Which is, this is the exact same kind of conversations people would have about Stephen King during his peak. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously the the point. He's kind of, yeah, even well, though, <laughs> it's funny they reference him outselling Stephen King in this, but obviously, that's the role he plays in this. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because at this time, in the 90s, Early 90s horror is in a weird spot. Yeah. Because the, the, the tropes and stuff of the 80s and 70s are dead. And so everyone's trying something new and trying their best to stay away from those tropes. And it's pretty hit and miss. This one's hit. Yeah. Um, You didn't really have it, it, you know, something significant until Scream, which brought the tropes back. Right, but kind of satirized them and kind of yeah. made them meta tropes. But even in the early 90s, whenever you had a horror that became like really good and respected, they would do whatever they could to distance themselves from the, the idea of being a horror. Like, Silence of the Lambs is horror, but oh no, it's not because it's good. It, it's a right. psychological thriller. <laughs> right, and that's how it's like, we wanted to win because it's excellent, right? We wanted to win awards, and we're not going to call it a horror film that's pretty much what they, they did yep. yeah it's an interesting commentary on the horror genre that they have here about like stephen king and you know all of that but apparently sutter kane disappeared two months prior to this and he'd sent out a few chapters of the new book to his agent and i like when he's like well what did the agent have to say well you were the last person that talked to him Trent. 
He was the crazy yeah. X-Maniac. And uh, we get that nice burn of, you'd think a guy that outsells Stephen King could find better representation. Yeah. <laughs> burn. Yeah. So Trent's approaching the subtlety idea that Sutter Kane's disappearance is this, uh, and all of the mild to intense insanity people experience when they read his books, that it's just a publicity stunt. Right. Trent's convinced this is a scam. And so that that's why he gets all lecherous over Linda. Yeah. Like, why don't you and I get together after work? We'll go through his files. And she's like, no, fuck off. But also, going about how Kane was, like, going insane. He became convinced that his writing was real and not fiction. And Trent, being a hard-ass cynical dude, is like, whatever. Right. So he walks home through some shitty area of Manhattan... And just stops for a moment to watch the police beat the shit out of a homeless man. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, I guess nothing changes. Yeah, and he's like, oh, well. Goes home. It's like he's just used. It's 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 New York. Yeah, and then he's on the phone with Robbie. He's like, oh, this is just a scam. It's publicity. You know, it's it's mass hysteria, pop phenomenon. It's that Szechuan sauce all over again. And then he goes to peruse some Sutter Kane and everybody. We get this nebbish guy with a scratched <laughs> up chin. He's like, he sees you. Yeah. <laughs> Trent's like, oh, okay. Well, tell him I say hi. Um, He believes he's far too intellectual to fall for this horror crap. Yeah. You know, so he gets the books and he's trying to read them. And he has several different dreams about the cop beating up the homeless guy. Yeah, in like sequence. Yeah, and they become more and more disturbing. Like, the cop starts looking all scarred up and mean, and it's like, he sees you. Bunch of people with axes run into there and, like, eat the cop. And it's just nightmares within nightmares. Yeah. And he he's like, oh, it's because I'm reading these shitty books. And he's taking- Maybe. Maybe. Then he realizes that all the covers have these red lines on them, and then he starts cutting up the covers, and it makes, it makes a puzzle. And what does it make? A map of fucking New Hampshire? Yeah. With, like, this is where Hobbs End is, where they're like, no, Hobbs End was a made-up city. It doesn't exist. And he's like, nope, it doesn't. I'm gonna go find it. It's interesting because he does that. I'm like, but... The art is done after the fact, and usually the author doesn't have anything. And then he specifically is like, now I know why he had his own art done. Yeah. Like, I'm like, okay, they explained that little plot hole. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so um, Charlton Heston's like, hey, go ahead, take Linda with you, though. Because she's got to get my book for me, okay? And um, so they're driving through New Hampshire, and Trent's being a jackass and using a fucking bicycle horn to wake her up and go, we're lost. Yeah. And they talk about their careers, that he loves busting people. Um, She hates him. She hates him. She hates his work. And he hates her. So it's weird. Well, he, he, he's a nihilist. He hates everybody. Yeah. And everything. She's She loves horror and Sutter Kane and Trent's. Well, he's also a pragmatist. If yeah. there's no value in it, it's not worth it. This is just horror. It's fiction. It's stupid. Right. You know, give me a fucking documentary any day of the week. He is a, a bitter man. He's unimaginative and practical. Which, uh, when you start getting into paranormal investigations, becomes somewhat of a problem. And he's into the idea of reality, and they have this wonderful fucking conversation about reality. Yeah. Where she has this Reality quote, is subjective. 
Yeah, a reality is just what we tell each other it is. Sane and insane could easily switch places. If the insane were to become the majority, you would find yourself locked in a padded cell, wondering what happened to the world. Which, not only a great quote for this movie, just generally a great quote. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, reality is subjective. It, it's very postmodern. It's very Baudrillard. You know, the simulacra simulation, that reality is just what we each individually experience, that there's no objective reality. I mean, there are, in, in terms of, like, how we interact with our environment, like, there are universal laws we can we can prove. But Like, like physics. <laughs> right, but how our brains process said things is individual to each person. But even the, the universal laws, some people refuse to believe them, and they believe that the world exists in a different way, like flat earthers. Yeah, they're wrong, but... But they don't know they're wrong. They insist that we're wrong. That's true. But I, I, there are certain immutable laws, but then there are also, like, how we perceive things is very individualistic, and how one person might see a situation... Is completely different than how another person might see it, even though we're looking at exactly the same thing. Yep. So now Linda's driving while Trent sleeps. Radio is talking about all of the, like, bizarre incidents. You know, is there a epidemic of paranoid schizophrenia? I don't know if that's actually possible. No, it's not possible. But she sees a weird teenage boy biking along with the playing cards in his spokes. Yep. And a little later, she sees, like, elderly version of that same kid yes and she's like what the fuck uh, I, I i don't know and then she drives and she just fucking runs down the old ass ghost kid yep uh which which my notes just call old kid yeah that was uh that that was a uh, like I, I like flinched at that <laughs> yeah like, that was that was some fucking impact and then she goes out to help him, and he speaks with a kid's voice. He's, like, all old, and he's like, I can't get out. He won't let me out. And then he just gets on his bike and rides away. Yep. And then, like, everything goes dark, and she's, like, driving through the sky. There's not even a road. Yep. And then they're going through a covered bridge, and boom, suddenly bright-ass daytime. Yeah, she crosses the bridges of Madison County, and suddenly we're in fucking northeastern United States, Stephen yeah. Kingville. Yeah, and there's a sign that says, Welcome to Hobbs End. And Trent wakes up going, Oh, fantastic, you found it. Yeah. And she's like, You drive it! And they, they go through this small town of Hobbs End. They go to the Main Street USA, walking around. It looks very much like a small town Main Street. Yep. And then Linda sees like this three-legged three dog running away from a bunch of freaky-looking kids. Feral children. <laughs> yeah. By the way, they... uh. They had an actual three-legged dog, but it, it ran away and they could never find it. So then they had to take a regular dog and put makeup on it. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to tell me they took a regular dog and just chopped off its leg. No, they put makeup. What? That'd be awful. I mean, given what we've seen on the show. Yeah. We we got to see uh, Carlo Rimbaldi kill a lizard. Yeah, and then the less we say about what happens in Cannibal Holocaust, the better. Yeah. So they drive around, they, they there's like nobody in town, and they get to the, the Pickman Hotel. Named after Pickman's model, which is another Lovecraft story. Ah! And so everything's like, has described as it is in the books, and Linda's like, this is exactly in Hobbs End Horrors! 
but it's missing some of the horrific things. It's just like the regular ass hotel. Yeah. And Trent is like, that's because it is a regular ass hotel. You made this fake town. This is all your scam. Yeah. And they go and they meet the kindly old innkeeper, this sweet old lady, who has no idea what they're talking about when they start babbling about Sutter Kane. Meanwhile, Linda's freaking out because there's this picture on the wall, and the people keep fucking moving. Vanity check. Yeah. Playing Call of Cthulhu. We're playing Call of Cthulhu now. Sanity check. Yeah. <laughs> so they get to their room, and Linda's like, this is like legit Sutter's Kane. You know, this we're in fantasy land, and he's like, nope, this is reality. You know, in the book, Miss Pickman is a lunatic who chops up her husband. Now, that sweet old thing we met downstairs. Chops her up, makes, makes him into coleslaw. I'm like, well, don't eat her coleslaw, then. Yeah. And Linda's like, what if Kane's work really isn't fiction? And Trent's like, nope, that goes against every law of reality. You're wrong. This is reality. Because if what you're saying is true, then outside that window should be a black Byzantine church with 250-foot spires and gold onions on top. And see, look, there's a fucking barn. And she's like, you didn't read it closely enough, the views from the east. And sure enough, there's that big, big-ass black Byzantine church with 250-foot spires in the middle of fucking New Hampshire. Like, why would you build a an Eastern Orthodox church? Well, in reality, somebody did. This place exists. Really? Yeah, it's you this. Have some Eastern Orthodox Christian immigrants that just happened to settle in New Hampshire somewhere. But it's not in the middle of town, like here, like in the movie. It's in the middle of like fucking nowhere. There's not even a road. Yeah, that's how this actual church is. I couldn't remember the name of it. I got it somewhere in my notes, but it actually exists as is. That actually is kind of creepy. Yeah, and so I mean, uh, if you build a church and. <laughs> the middle of nowhere usually that means you're hiding something or trying to consecrate something that is maybe not not so holy or at least you think it is who the fuck builds this gigantic ass byzantine church well it's it's another it's it's and again, the fact that it's a byzantine style you know an eastern orthodox style church is the most interesting part to me because oh you build a protestant church you know you got a lutheran church or some shit like like that makes sense like or even Catholics. We have a lot of Catholics. We don't have that many Eastern Orthodox Christians in this country. Yeah. Especially not, like, in rural nowhere. Yeah. So that's creepy. So they go to this church, just sitting on a field by itself in the middle of fucking nowhere. Trent is reading from the book. He's like, the place had once been a seat of an evil older than mankind and wider than the known universe. It was a place of pain and suffering beyond human understanding. That's legit Lovecraft right there. Yeah. Um, what fucking book was it from? I had that in a different note. It's from In the Mouth of Madness. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know which book it was from. But they go up. Um, there's She has another hallucination with the kids and the three-legged dog. Um, on the front of the church is this gigantic Jesus Ascension mural. Right. And then Linda's like, we gotta go. We gotta go. Because suddenly a bunch of Tans folk drive up and they're all armed. And they're screaming, Cain, give him back! And this little blonde kid pops open the door and it's like, they're like, Johnny Boy! Doors keep slamming until Johnny Boy turns into Sutter Cain. Yep. Who summons his pack of Dobermans to fuck everybody up. And thus answering the question of who lets the dogs out. Yeah, Sutter Cain let the fucking dogs out. And, there you go, Baha. There you go, Baha, man. You're 
question has been answered. Yep. They make it back to their car, and there's this little girl with a fucked up face that's going, I see! Creepy as hell. Yep. Sanity check. Yeah, so Trent's like, how did you know about this mob? That wasn't in any of the books. You you staged this. That's how you knew it. This is all a drama. And she's like, oh, well, it's in the, the unreleased chapters that only I read. And he's like, well, fuck this shit. I'm going to find somebody that's going to come clean, and then we're going to dismiss your bullshit claim. She confesses that they were that he's half right. They they did send Sutter Kane away on a publicity stunt, only he never showed up. <laughs> they never came back from where they sent him. Yeah, she's like, we're, we weren't supposed to find anything. We didn't stage this. You know, that's how I know that this is real or not real, you know. So she starts giving the synopsis of the book. That it's the end of everything, and it starts here in this place. Like, an evil takes over Hobbs End, starts with the children. Um, and it's about turning people into things, creatures that aren't even human anymore. Yeah, because she has actually read... An early draft of In the Mouth of Madness, which is the book he's working on. Yeah. And then suddenly she's like, let's fuck. Yeah. And he's like, oh, hell no. You know, so she uh, she just takes the keys and leaves. <laughs> he goes out and he's like, he, he takes another look at the painting and sees that it's changing. But he thinks it's just like, oh, this is the, uh, the, the scam, you know. Sanity check. Yeah. And then, uh. He's smoking, and little old lady Pikmin is like, no smoking, it bothers my husband. Now she's looking all, like, beat up and worn out. Meanwhile, there's some moaning on the ground. Yeah. And she's, like, kicking, going, shut up, shut up. The, um, this old woman, the actress is Frances Bay. She's been in a lot of stuff. She's been in safe movies like Karate Kid. She's mm -hmm. been in horror sequels like Critters 3. She's played a lot of comedic grandmas, like Happy Gilmore's mom. <laughs> yeah. She's actually in a season two episode of Tales from the Crypt we'll be watching in a couple weeks. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, Trent's like, hey, you look like shit, Miss Pikmin. She's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Kicking her naked husband, who for some reason is handcuffed to her ankle. Kinky. Yeah, so he gets back to Main Street, goes to a bar, checking his notes. And then when we meet this guy that's like, you really should get the fuck out of town because Sutter Kane's going to kill everybody. Yeah. Uh, Linda goes to the church. Um, she, she talks to the fucked up kids for a bit. And that's creepy. Yep. Sanity check. Yeah, another sanity check. On the doors of the church, it's written like, any who dare enter this unholy site be damned forever. And then Welcoming. She, yep. She enters. So obviously she's damned forever now. Right. Upside down crosses are everywhere. And she eventually finds Sutter Kane just typing away. Hellhounds by his side. Yes. And it's a brilliant scene. Yes. Because she's like, hey, I thought you were making stuff up, but this is real. And he's like, yeah. And there's those old gods behind this door over here. They're telling me what to write. Yeah, it's awesome. And this book that I just read, that's going to be their new Bible that's going to help everybody. And he smashes her head into the manuscript, and I guess she absorbs it? Yeah. We see all the glimpses of stuff we've seen and stuff we've yet to see. And so she starts hugging him. He's got this fucking malignant-looking dude on his back. Yeah, that was pretty fucked up. Yeah. She's, like, caressing it and making it out with him. Yeah. It's like, I, I feel like I just watched this movie. Yeah, it's malignant. 
Oh, or or possession. Oh, fuck yeah. So she comes. Some, some fleshy shit going on again. Yeah, she comes back to Trent. She's like, I'm losing my mind. Failed my sanity check, Trent. Yeah, it, yeah she has delved too deep. Yeah, and she's like, I saw the book. Don't look at the book. So, you know, Trent goes back down to the front desk. No Mrs. Pickman. No working phone. And that painting, yeah, don't even show people more. Just these, like, Lovecraftian things. Vanity check. Yep. And meanwhile, we hear hacking and screaming. Something fucking monstrous is going on. Miss Pickman has fucking tentacles shooting out of her chest, and she's cutting up her husband. Make some high-quality slaw. Also, sanity check. Yeah. They shot that with miniatures, by the way. Oh, awesome. The makeup on the humans didn't look as good as Carpenter wanted, so he just like, well, let's make little miniatures. Yeah. Yeah, he goes up to Linda, but she's all she's all tentacle and shit. Yep. Sanity check. Yep. Blows him through a fucking door. Yeah. You know, there's a Lovecraft monster in the greenhouse, and he's like, I'm getting the fuck out of this town. Sanity check. <laughs> yeah, sanity check. He gets into the middle of town, and there's fucking... Children dancing around with torches, gonna, like, screaming that Linda's a dead girl. Um, some creature runs up with an axe and then stops and goes, Fuck you, to Trent, and then just keeps running. <laughs> My note there was, well then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Trent goes into the bar and he's ranting about, like, This is all special effects and hidden speakers. You people are professionals, I'll give that to you. We're not living in a Sutter Kane story. This is not reality. Guy in the bar goes, reality's not what it used to be. Great line. Then killed himself. Yeah, he puts the shock into his head and Trent's like, no, don't do it. No, I gotta. He wrote me this way. Yep. Sanity check. <laughs> yeah. So the whole town is this fucking strange Lovecraftian mob. He fights with Linda, then he knocks her out and drives away. Yep. And then she's like, she just fucking swallows the car keys? Yeah. They fight a bunch, and she's like, Kane's writing me. He wants me to kiss you, because it's yeah. good for the book. And uh, when they stop to talk to the old kid at the payphone, Linda goes full-on twisted monster. Sanity check. Also, I had to make a sanity check. Again, when you saw her crab walking out of the car. Yep. Uh-huh. I yeah. failed. <laughs> that was disturbing. He tries to drive away, but he keeps ending up back on Main Street. And it, it does this for a bit, where he, he comes up to the mob, then he turns around and drives away, and he drives back into the mob. And he's just on this Mobius strip here. And so he's like, well, fuck it, I'm just going to drive through the mob. Which he does until he sees Linda, and he swerves to miss her, and totals the car. He just drove through her. He should have. I mean, he already saw her crab walking around. Yeah. Probably just turn into a crab walk again and just distort her limbs in weird places and get right back up. Yeah, and so we get this scene where he's in a confessional booth with Sutter Kane. I love this scene. And Sutter Kane is like, you know what the problem is with places like this? Well, with religion in general. It's never known how to convey the anatomy of horror. And Trent's like, your books aren't real. Yeah, but they've been sold over a billion copies. I've been translated into eight languages. More people believe in my work than believe in the Bible. And now... Yeah, apparently the belief is, is warping reality. Yeah, it is. And now they now he's in that red room with Cain, who finishes his book in the Mouth of Madness, and is like, 
Your job is to deliver this, Trent. I'm going to go hang out with my new publishers. Old God's Publishing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because he's just going to go hang out with the old old gods. And he's like, and you're going to deliver this because I wrote that you're going to deliver it. Um, like, he's like, you didn't exist until I wrote you into my book. And we get more of like, this is not reality. Reality is this. And Sutter Kane's like, nah, nah, nah. It's not what the old gods say. Fuck off. Yeah. So I'm just going to rip myself up into paper. Yeah. He is but a page in his own writing. Yeah. And rips a, a portal open to whatever fucking nightmare world is on the other side of that door. Yep. And so Trent. I like that. I like that scene. Yeah. Trent, like goes to like peek through the, the, the Sutter Kane rip in reality. And yep. Linda is narrating this scene. <laughs> I, and the prose is pretty sweet. Well, it's Lovecraft's prose. Yeah. The Stygian world yawning blackly beyond is from Rats in the Walls. Yeah. That part I, I noted. Yeah. Trent stood at the edge of the rip, stared into the illimitable gulf of the unknown. The Stygian world yawning blackly beyond. Trent's eyes refused to close. He did not shriek, but the hideous, unholy abominations shrieked for him. As in the same second he saw them spill and tumble upward out of an enormous carrion black pit, choked with the gleaming white bones of countless unhallowed centuries. He began to back away from the rip as the army of unspeakable figures, twilit by the glow from the bottomless pit, came pouring at him toward our world. And so the the old gods, they, these gross-ass fucking Cthulhu monsters, start chasing him through this long-ass tunnel. Which, do you know how they did this effect? Oh. So instead of making all of these individual monsters... They basically made a wall of monsters. And so they put it all on, like, one cart that they're pushing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Robert Kurtzman, like, fell and hurt his leg pretty bad on the, the wall of monsters. Oh. And then, so Trent just suddenly wakes up at a crossroads, and it's daytime, and he's holding the manuscript. And Anakin Skywalker goes, want a paper? Yeah. Yep. And he's In like, just a few years, he will be, uh, he'll be a very grown, angsty Jedi. I killed them all! That's I, right. I don't like sand! That's right. Killed, killed the younglings. So, Trent's doing whatever he can to just get rid of this fucking manuscript. He, um, just walks back to the highway, and then I have a, a, a special note here, because this is when Tubi went to a commercial. Oh, there's an ad for some company called Front Door that, like, they do, um, like, videos on how to fix stuff. You talk to somebody on a video call, and they help you fix something in your house. Okay, that's interesting. So in the commercial, this woman, she's like, we just fixed this toilet, you know? And the guy's like, yeah, we fixed the toilet. And then she starts singing. We fixed this toilet. We fixed this toilet on video. Oh, Jesus We fixed this toilet on video. I'm like, no, no, I ain't fucking... It goes into a whole fucking music video for it. Oh, my God. I'm like, I, you've sold me off of your product. I will never do this. I will. My house will flood before I use your business service to fix my fucking toilet. 
when we first started doing the Chicago account at GCS and they had to sit in separate rows, you would just send me fucking, I built this city in an email just to fucking <laughs> piss me off. Yeah. Just email you three times a day. We built this city. Yeah, you ass. But anyway, so Trent, he's now in a motel. Robot Monster is playing on the television. Yep. Yep. And then he goes to check out, and there's a package for him, and it's the fucking manuscript. Um, He's taking a bus home, and there's an old lady rambling about, I lived in New York during the Depression. There were dead bodies everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that was the case, but <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and then uh, it's nighttime. The old lady's not next to him anymore. It's just Sutter Kane going, I'm God now. He's like, God's not supposed to be a hack horror writer. Oh, my favorite color's blue, by the way. And uh, he wakes up screaming, scares the hell out of that old lady. But it's also nightmares within nightmares again. Yeah, because it's all blue. And um, he's failing sanity checks now. Oh yeah, he's 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 hit. Every uh, he's gone. <laughs> he, he's at some office screaming at someone about like. I was at the city of Hobbs End! And they're like, no, you weren't. That's impossible. I want to see your supervisor! Yep. I was say, then he kind of sheepishly walks out of the place. <laughs> He's like, I, I became a Karen. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he makes it home. Um, the beat up the hobo alley is empty. And then he's telling this whole thing to to Harglow at the publishing office. He's like, wow, that's that's some story. Have you been reading too much Sutter Kane? You know, and yep. he's like, "Well, Styles told me, oh, Styles, that's the girl you see I sent with you, even though I know you, I sent you off alone." So I was like, "Uh, was like, Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, reality has changed." Yep, which is what Linda said would happen. Yeah, she wrote. She apparently Sutter Kane wrote her out of the story. Yeah, and that's what he brings up. He's like, Sutter Kane wrote her out of the story. That's why you don't remember her. But that's why I had to destroy the last manuscript. Harko's like, no, you didn't. You delivered it to me months ago. We published in July. The book's been on the stores for seven weeks. The movie's out next week. Yeah. And so Trent's like, what the fuck? No! And there's just riots happening at stores. And police are at a loss to explain the outbreak of violent crime among the city's clergy. Yeah. So we get, like, outside of a bookstore, Trent's looking absolutely fucking insane now. And some guy comes out, like, his eyes bleeding, and Trent's like, you like the book? Oh, yeah, I love it. Good, that this shouldn't come as a surprise, and he fucking axes this kid to death. Yeah. And that catches us up back to the mental hospital. And Trent's like, that's spreading out there, isn't it? That insanity. It's going to spread to each new reader. That's how it gets its power. Power. Well, what about the people who don't read? There's well, a there's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, that's why I want to just stay in this asylum. I'm safer here. It's, it's only going to get worse out there. Every species can smell its own extinction. And so the doctor leaves, and Saperstein's like, did he have anything to say? Nope, he thinks he's fiction. And Saperstein then asks, do you read Sutter Kane? So overnight, apparently the world just goes to shit. Yeah, it hits a critical mass, at least in the in the big cities. Yeah, because... As the emergency thing is saying, we don't know what it's like you know, inland, but it seems like the coasts have completely... <laughs> It sounds exactly like the um, the news broadcast on like Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, exactly. So Trent, he's just able to walk on out of the institution because everybody's dead. Yep, bodies everywhere. He's like, okay, sure. Yeah, he goes up to a theater that's playing in the Mouth of Madness, which 
Did you take a good look at this poster? No, not really, other than he's on the poster. Obviously, he's in the movie. Yeah, so it's like New Line Cinema Presents in the Mount of Madness, starring John Trent, Linda Stiles, Jackson Harglow. Hargrove. Right, yeah, 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 as the characters but then the, starring in the movie, right? The rest of the credits are the actual production credits for this movie. <laughs> I saw John Carpenter's name on it. Yeah, written by Michael DeLuca, directed by John Carpenter. That's all real. Yeah. So Trent, he goes in to watch this movie all alone. He's got his popcorn and his PJs on. And it's the movie that we just watched. Yep. Like, scene for scene. And Trent is just fucking laughing his ass off. He's like, this is great. Yeah, he lost his... He's he's done. He's lost his mind. You know, and it focuses on the specific lines in the movie of... This is not reality. This is not reality. This is reality. This is not reality. Right. And Trent's lost. He's just like, ah, I'm going to go with it now. And we get the, the knockoff Enter Sandman place. Yep. We don't have a post-credit sequence, but we do get this weird thing during the credits where you get the SPCA disclaimer about, like, no animals were, you know, harmed. Yeah, right. But then it goes, well, it's like human, yeah, animals being monitored and unharmed, and then it goes, human interactions monitored by the Intergalactic Psychiatric Institute. Institute. The body count was high, casualties heavy. <laughs> so this movie was awesome. I love this movie. I love the Trent character. I love the gravitas Sam Neill brings to it. Yeah, it, it, It's like a hard... Uh, he's got that kind of like hard-boiled detective vibe to him. Oh, he does, definitely. Even though it's set, even though this is set, you know, in a, in a modern period for in the '90s when it was made, it, it's his character is more like the kind of characters you would find in a Lovecraft story. Um, people hated the movie when it came out for some reason. But then well, again, we've heard that a million times. Yes, this is this is a running theme on the show. But it earned eight point nine million against an eight million budget, so it eh. critics broke even basically. But critics have always been meh. Like, it's got a completely mid 58% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 53 out of 100 on Metacritic. Critics don't... Critics, I, I feel, again, I, I just feel like critics miss the point a lot yeah. of times. I mean, honestly, it's not the big giant cult film that other Carpenter films were. I mean, this doesn't have the the fan love and everything that Big Trouble has. Right. But the people that love In the Mouth of Madness really fucking love it. For good reason, I love it. It's great. It's 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 what it's on the tin. It's a homage to H.P. Lovecraft and Stephen King. And that's what you get. I yeah. mean, and the performance are great. The special effects are cool. The music's cool. It's got a nice vibe to it. It's The story is very Lovecraftian. It's told from the perspective of well, frankly, an unreliable narrator. Um, in in flashback, and it ends in you know insanity, and the world is a shitty place, and that's about as Lovecraftian as it gets. But also, the other thing is, he never changes. The world changes around him, right? Like he is sane, but then the world becomes insane. So now he's the insane one. Right, and that was you know the foreshadowed earlier in the uh... yeah, and so he decides to just at the end of the movie he's like I can't I'm just gonna fucking go with it. I imagine that's how the cabbie and escape from uh, 
Escape, Escape from, from New York. York. Like, well, I'm just gonna go with it. I, I live in a prison now. Yeah, it's a. But this is a fantastic movie. One of Carpenter's bests. It's so underrated. Like I, I had heard of it, but it was never got. It never got the buzz. Like, oh, the thing gets, or you know, the Escape from movies and stuff like that. Yeah. So, it, it's like I knew what it was, but like it just never got the buzz. Like this movie's awesome, and it deserves a lot more love than it gets. Yeah, well, it came out between in the in between two of Carpenter's worst films. Oh, um, right after Memoirs of an Invisible Man, and yeah. right before his remake of Village of the Damned, which uh. are two two Carpenter films that don't get any love. <laughs> Are we going to do a shitty John Carpenter week? Yeah, we'll do those two movies, and we might do his last movie, The Ward. That was that was kind of meh. It was a, I think I've seen bits of Ghosts of Mars and thought it was okay. Oh, Ghosts of Mars is good. Vampires is good. You know, we might do They Live. Hell, we might do Christine and The Thing. The we're we're gonna get on all of them. Is Starman good? Eh. Eh. Mid. It's not a horror film. It's it's like. This alien comes down to Earth and falls in love with a woman. Um, I feel like that is not the start of. Isn't that just the start of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, but they just kind of like fall in love and just, just, you know, stay loving. Karen Allen. Yeah. And Jeff Bridges has Starman. Weird. Yeah, that doesn't sound like. This is not the kind of movie I would expect to be directed by uh, John Carpenter. John Carpenter. It's like when uh, Wes Craven did that fucking Meryl Streep movie about a violin. Yeah. But anyway, so, where do you... This is the finest coffee you could find. Yeah. But it makes you a little insane. But that's okay. Because the world's insane. Yeah. And it was fucking damn good coffee. Yeah. It was worth it. The insanity was worth it. Yeah. So, next week, um, black exploitation. Yeah. We That'll get- be fun. Yeah, we get to visit Rudy Ray Moore again with uh, Petey Wheatstraw. Nice. Yeah, and then there's another black exploitation movie. As there always is. Yep, there's plenty. But we will catch you all then, everybody. Have a lovely week. Yep, good night. Good night.